Hi everyone, it's Stu here, your dulcet-toned podcast host. Are you tired of ads interrupting your favourite true crime podcast? British Murders, of course. I mean, who needs a 60-second detour when you're in the midst of an immensely well-told story? The irony of this being an ad isn't lost on me, but I wanted to let you know that you can listen to British Murders completely ad-free by signing up for a Patreon membership. For as little as £3 per month, you'll get early access to ad-free episodes, as well as a heap of other benefits. I've got a fair few bonus episodes you can sink your teeth into, and every Monday I drop a new episode of the British Murders Weekly Journal. If you enjoy exclusive giveaways, my Patreon has those too. Head to patreon.com slash britishmurders and choose either my OBE or KBE slash DBE tier to rid yourself of those pesky adverts. Plus, you'll be helping support your favourite podcast so that I can offer you even more content going forward. I'd say that I'll shut up now, but you've got the rest of the episode to listen to. Back to you, Stu. Welcome to British Murders, a true crime podcast with a focus on British murder cases. My name's Stuart Blues, and I'm excited for you to join me on this journey of morbid discovery. I'm by no means an expert on the subjects of homicide and serial killers, however I have always had a sick fascination with them. Together we will learn about some of the lesser known British murderers, as well as glimpsing occasionally at some of the more notorious ones. The bite-sized presentation of this podcast is intentional, as we look to cover an overview of the respective timelines of each case succinctly. Hello everyone, welcome back to the as yet unnamed movie review podcast with myself, Stuart Blues, host of British Murders, and my colleague, my co-host, my co-anchor, my co-wanker, Brett Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) How's that for a little invitation for you? That was the best intro yet. That's a good one. I've only done two, so that's not bad, is it? It's not bad. So today, what we're going to review is a fairly new film. And it's called Us. You know how sometimes things line up? Coincidences? Since we've been up here, they've been happening more and more. It's like there's this black cloud hanging over us. There's a family in our driveway. Who is that? Run. What are you people? And this is from 2019, released on March 22nd, 2019, runs for just short of two hours, one, one hour 56, it's 15 rated, and it's directed and written by Jordan Peele. What do you know of his work, Brett? I know, mate, so of course, I think like most people, I really sat up and paid attention when Get Out came out, and that's, and um 
to be completely honest with you, beforehand, I wasn't too familiar with uh, with his work, which is maybe not, you know, not the best. <laughs> not the best. But to be <laughs> fair, though, he's only he's only directed uh, Get Out and Us. Yeah, yeah. It's his second film, yeah. But he, See, um, I knew him from the comedy duo Key and Peel. Oh my lord! Yes, I don't. I can't believe that I didn't just say that. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what he's known for, I would say, prior to Get Out, obviously. Yeah. So him and his mate Keegan did a sketch show. I think it was on Comedy Central, and we quote it all the time at work. Yeah, it's just hilarious. But yeah, this is his second film, and it's produced by Monkey Paw Productions, which is Jordan Peele's company, founded in 2012, and then. It's made in association with Perfect World Pictures and it's co-financed with Universal Pictures who presented it and helped distribute it, basically. Mm-hmm. It's won a lot of awards, this, but nothing major. So it's not like the Oscars or any of the... can't think of any other high-level awards. Golden Globes, Golden Globes, all that kind of stuff. It's won a lot of critic awards. Yeah. But nothing that I would consider as major i suppose any award is worth celebrating but nothing not the big four or however many of these so before we get into who's the actual cast of this i'll just give you a brief synopsis from the legendary imdb the ever reliable imdb i love imdb it goes like this a family's serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorise them. Sounds ominous. (laughs) So the only person I've heard of in the cast is Elizabeth Moss, who plays Kitty Tyler. She's known as um, Handmaid's Tale. She was in that. She's also in The Invisible Man. Yeah. Came out last year, 2020. The rest of the cast, I think a few of them were in Black Panther, which I haven't seen. I've not seen Black Panther, but yeah, they, a, a couple of them have recognisable faces, don't they? But I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not really too familiar with many of the cast. Yeah. Do you prefer that in films? Do you prefer not to know anyone? It dep- It's a weird one because um, when you reach a certain level of notoriety and fame, it probably does make it a bit harder for an audience to accept you as a character because they they recognise you so easily. But with that, on the flip side of that, you take somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio or Tom Hardy or Daniel Day-Lewis, it doesn't matter what role they play, you believe them as that character. But I do like it. I, I do like watching a film where I don't know any of the actors because it obviously it introduces you to them and it also can turn you on to the, their other work. Um, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't really matter either way for me to be honest with you. But I do like seeing actors that have you know I've never seen before. Yeah, I like films like this where people like Elizabeth Moss are kind of almost handholding the audience and the other actors to say, "Look, we're not the main focus of this, but we are a recognizable face. Mm-hmm. That people can think, oh, Elizabeth Moss is in it." It must be decent then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You get those actors that play supplemental characters just for the notoriety and a little bit of name recognition. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the cast, personally, I haven't heard of. So you've got um, Lupita Nyong'o, hope I'm saying that right, as Adelaide Wilson. And then her husband is Winston Duke, 
uh, or Duke, however you want to say it, who plays Gabe Wilson. And then their daughter is Shahadi Wright-Joseph, who plays Zora, and Evan Alex, who plays the youngest of the two children, as Jason Wilson. Elizabeth Moss is there, her husband, Tim Heidecker, and Madison Curry plays the young version of Adelaide, who is the protagonist in this. Yeah. So what did you think about... Did you go into it knowing what it was about, roughly? I think most people, even if you've not seen it, know that it's about a family whose doppelgangers come after them, basically. But that that's about where my knowledge of it finished before I watched it. Yeah, same for me, yeah. I'd seen, uh, obviously, the... Um trailers and stuff on youtube as everybody does nowadays because that, that's the problem isn't it like trailers now give away so much but yeah just like you i knew i knew the premise or i thought i knew the premise from seeing the trailer and kind of people talking about it there was a lot of people that i knew that were really raving about it so i was normally when there's a lot of people raving about something i'm excited to see it naturally so i knew a few people that had seen it and they'd seen it in the cinema and they said to me you have to see it in the cinema because of the uh, the music and it makes it a lot more atmospheric when it's in the cinema. I didn't see it in the cinema. Um, I have to put my hands up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on uh, on Netflix, but yeah. What, what what about yourself? What was the? Did you was it anything like you were expecting from seeing the trailer? No, it wasn't. No. Now, I'm. I think as I'm getting older, it's changing. But when I was a bit younger, I was a little bit more what's the word just a bit petty when people hype things it puts me off mm-hmm. i don't like too much hype like i've still to this day never seen avatar because first of all it knocked off one of the best films ever off the gross list which is titanic i know it's the same director but everyone's like oh it's amazing so it's you've got to see. it's fantastic for me i just think mm, i'm yeah. not gonna watch it yeah, you know, just to go against the grain, like yeah. a pathetic idiot. <laughs> but as I'm getting older, I see a film, and if it's got decent reviews, I think, oh, this is meant to be good, so I'll be more inclined to watch it now. But with this, yeah, all I had in my head was, right, it's a family, because I, I kept thinking to myself, have I seen this film? I was thinking, I'm sure I've seen it, but it's like you say, trailers reveal that much information about the plot, the key parts that take place. And you think, have I just seen the trailer and think I know what goes on? Mm. But I knew within 10, 15 minutes, I obviously hadn't seen it. And yeah, the plot differed massively compared to what I expected. Now, what we are going to do, and we're probably going to start this as a new theme, if you like, is normally we would give our ratings at the end. We are going to still do that. But I think it's it would be important with this film, after doing a bit of research, to give our opinions and our ratings now and then after we've had the discussion and found out some of the little tidbits that have been involved in the production of this film i think it'd be interesting to see if that rating changes yeah so before we go into actually discussing the film because i know both you and i weren't overly impressed Mm -hmm. with the first watch which is probably a shock to many people yeah so what what did you rate did you go back and forth on the rating or did you just pick one out the air and think this is what I'm picking. Yeah, do you know what? I very rarely do. I, I, I like to give things a bit of thought. So um, I, as you well know, and other people may know, on IMDb, you can't do a point. There's no point system. It's not, 
So you have to give a a, a, a round number, you know, a whole number. So mm-hmm. on IMDb, I gave it a four, but on reflection, I would have edged more towards a maybe maybe like a four point eight, four point okay. seven. Um, I will say as well before you give your rating, sorry that. Um, admittedly for myself, I have actually only seen it once. Yeah, same. I I will watch it again when Stuart and I talk about films. Nine times out of ten, I, I often watch them again. So it is on Netflix; it's easily accessible. So I may even watch it tonight when we're done. I think once we've had this chat, you definitely will. Yeah. Okay, so you, Stuart, where is uh, where was your rating? And same for you. Did you go back and forth for a bit, or was it a, a straight up easy decision? It's a tough one because I'm thinking back. So the last episode we did was Eden Lake. Whether that goes live or not is a different story. But we talked <laughs> we talked about we talked about Eden Lake, and I gave that I think a six point eight out of ten. And I'm just trying to think, because you've got to, that's the barometer now. That's the level. That's the standard. Yeah. So I'm thinking, would I rather watch this or Eden Lake? For me, hmm, it's, uh, you know, because Eden Lake disappointed me on the second viewing as well. I think currently, before we go through anything, I'd probably give this like a 6.1. That's very fair. Because I thought it had elements that I really enjoyed. I didn't like the ending, personally. But I'll give it a 6.1, and then we'll we'll run through it and see if our minds change. But I think definitely you'll want to watch it again, because I, I certainly do. Well, I'm very, um, I'm very keen to listen. I, I do want to... I'm going to be listening a lot more in this podcast now, having others, because... I'm really intrigued to hear what you think about it because I'll, I'll say off the bat, truthfully also, and I don't normally like to admit this because as a lover of film, but I'm not even 100% sure if I fully still grasp it. What, the plot you mean? Or... I don't know if it's, if maybe it's what were they actually trying to show with this film? What was the per- like? You know, because to me, I don't know about you, but when I watch a film, every film you have to leave a film with at least something, whether that be disappointment or you know excitement or whatever it is. This film, I kind of left it with, and I'm only obviously going back on memory now because you know to be truthful, but I think I kind of left it just saying like, what? Yeah, I think the ending. The twist at the end, obviously, spoiler alert to anyone that's not seen it, we're going to be talking about the film Inside Out. Yeah. The twist at the end where you find out that Adelaide in real life, well, I say in real life, in the modern world, Adelaide is actually the tethered version of Adelaide, okay? I didn't like how, because it's almost like they said, right, actually, you're the tethered, and then the film ended. Yeah. I would have liked, and this is probably going to come across really corny to some people, but you know in the Saw films? Yeah. Now, they're very convoluted. Mm -hmm. But at the end of each film, it gives like, it ties up the plot in a flashback of all the previous films so that you know what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of trivia. This is the reason why I think your rating will change when we're finished. The amount of trivia I found out about this film 
that wasn't made clear, in my opinion, in the film, which if it had made it clear, would have made that initial rating so much higher. I just think rather than leaving it sometimes, and I've, I've spoken to other people on other podcasts about films dumbing down to people and treating the audience as if they're stupid. Like my example was in Jurassic world where the Indominus Rex is camouflage and then it reveals itself. The guy turns to his team and says, it can camouflage as if you can't see that. that. That's what I mean by treating the audience as stupid telling them what's going on. But to an extent, in a film as complex as this, I think if that would have happened 10, 15 minutes before the end and we'd have seen what happened to the real version of Adelaide when she went and lived with the Tethered for far longer and how she got from there to where she is now, they did it a little bit. Like there was a bit of a flashback, but it's nothing we hadn't already seen. I just think it it, it came too soon and then it finished. I felt a little bit unsatisfied I think yeah um you see when I watch a film as well I'm sorry I don't mean to sound pretentious but as an actor watching a film I feel like sometimes like you watch films a bit differently because when when I'm watching a film sometimes I hesitate to say like sometimes plot isn't the most important thing to me sometimes it is performance of the actor so sometimes when I'm watching a film, if, I, if I'm not fully invested in the plot, I'll then, sorry, if I'm not fully invested in the acting performance, then it can kind of take away my attention from the plot and the story. I will say, with this being Jordan Peele's second film he's directed, I think we'll probably have to cut him some slack on in terms of like things that, for example, like, you know, with the ending, the, mm-hmm. the way that it ended like you know maybe, maybe this is just something that he's going to learn over time how to tell a story a bit better because you look at get out to me to say that was his first film yeah that was absolutely fantastic that i really enjoyed that film yeah so what did you think of the acting performance in this because get out i, I forget the actor's name but he's a really good actor He's fantastic. The main guy in that. Daniel. He's a British, uh, was, British guy, right? Yeah, Daniel. He was in Black Mirror. Yeah, he was. And do you know um, some trivia for you? Um, he actually got the role on Get Out because of Black Mirror. Jordan Peele saw his performance in Black Mirror. Ah, uh, okay. So that, you know, some trivia for you there. Um, what do you think of the acting performance? Um, I really, 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 really liked the lady who plays Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of these actresses who you can, doesn't really have to say a lot. It's all in the face, in the eyes. She's very expressionate with her face and she's got these, obviously, these big, big eyes. The, I'm sorry, I really am sorry. The the gentleman that plays the, Gabe, is it the dad? Gabe's the dad, yeah, Winston yeah, Duke. Winston Gabe, Duke. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very weak, personally. Yeah, I was... I, I thought it had nothing about it. Again, that's not his fault. The film isn't about him. No, but he, his character had no personality. I almost, I felt like it was almost, I felt like that was supposed to be Jordan Peele in a way, because he mm. kind of looks like him. He's probably yeah. a lot taller than him. And he was a little bit slapsticky with his, you know, like when, when the family's on the drive and stuff, he wasn't taking it seriously and all that kind no, of stuff. No, no. But I just, I don't think he had, and again, the film isn't about him. It's more about her and the kids, but it just didn't. He's got an obsession with a boat that even Jordan Peele said there's no purpose to it. He just felt that he needed a boat 
<laughs> so it's it's almost like she needed a husband, and that's where the character development stopped. Like it didn't need to be any more in depth than that. Do you think this? Do you think it could have been the the story would have been as strong if he wasn't in it? Do you think that there would have been nothing lost in the story if there was no father figure? Uh, I think the only element of the father thing that was significant was the fact that Adelaide's father was so negligent that she ended up walking away when he was playing whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. But, again, I mean, and again, that's not even Gabe, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. But as far, <laughs> as, far as her husband, yeah, that completely irrelevant point, screw it. <laughs> But no, I think she could have easily been a single mom. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have affected the story. I don't think he, he wasn't exactly much of a protector. His tethered counterpart was a bit of a doofus as well. They had the scene on the speedboat and I suppose he comes to rescue them on the speedboat. But apart from that. I love the idea, you know, of the concept of a doppelganger. Hmm. So, I've used this expression before, so excuse me, but I just think to myself, sometimes, you know, could they, could they have taken that concept into a completely different storyline and utilised it more effectively in a way that could that could have been a bit more? See, to me, with this film, music was absolutely incredible. The, the 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 score on this and that's one thing I will give it the score on this film was the, there's something about the music it's same with in Get Out with the meal the, the music sorry um there's just something about the music in these two movies of Jordan Peele's it's just frightening yeah it had you on edge in it for a lot of the time and the it was so atmospheric I let's go to the scene you know on the drive. Obviously, they're silhouetted almost of the characters because it's dark and there's the the street light behind them, so they're silhouetted. And with the music and and everything else, even though Gabe, as you said, it, it's kind of like wasn't taken. You know, he's like, oh, you know, get off my property or whatever. And then even like with the when he gets the baseball bat, you don't take <laughs> him seriously. Like you, you're not no. going to do anything. But um, the music, I really loved about this film. I wanted to ask you actually, Stuart, because. I know that we're both on different kind of ends of the spectrum on this film right now, but to you, it's a bit of a broad question, but what was that film? What was the main, per- what was that film about to you? <sighs> this is where it falls flat with me because it's almost, I don't want to say style over substance because that's doing it an injustice, but I, I couldn't tell you. That's unfortunately where I'm at, though, Stuart. I do, I do think it's style over substance, unfortunately. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. And the reason for that is when you find out that she is the tethered, as they call it, the shadow people, the dark people who live in the tunnels, they're called the tethered. You find out she's a tethered, and this is why a second watch would be interesting. But as the tethered... Mm-hmm. How she's portrayed in the end the, when she's a kid and she swaps the Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt and she's giving it the the Kubrick stare. You know, she's she's staring through her eyebrows and, and her chin slightly down. Yeah. She's looking dead evil. Mm-hmm. So why is she so petrified of going back there? I didn't get that. Like no. if she If she's the girl who went in when she's a kid and she sees herself 
understandably, she's gone through trauma and then she goes back to the same beach. I understand that in that case, she's going to be scared, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't understand that aspect. And that's one of the things why I didn't like the twist and the stuff will come to that, which makes you like the twist, but I don't get how she acted a lot of the time. Like when, um, Evan, I believe Jason, sorry, played by Evan Alex, when he goes missing and she's looking for him. So like any mother would, yeah. but she's, she's not like any mother. She's a tethered. Yeah. The other thing as well, just thought about it. If, if she swapped and there's a few plot holes in this, which we'll come to, but if she has swapped roles with Adelaide and the woman in the real world is the tethered and she has kids with Gabe, who's obviously real. Why then, when Red, she's known as the tethered Adelaide, but it's actually real Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I know this is confusing for people listening. <laughs> it's still confusing for me, guys. So. Yeah. She said that basically everyone in the world has a shadow person called the tethered. We're all tethered. Okay. Mm-hmm. And anything that happens to you happens to us. So Adelaide gets a really loving, great husband. She gets the opposite. She gets a bastard. She has um, a perfect birth with her daughter. She has a horrible birth. For the youngest kid, the son, Adelaide has a cesarean section. And she says, I had to do it myself, cut him out myself. You know, mm-hmm. So the worst part of everything. But why is the shadow activity happening to the real life Adelaide? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that. And Why, where does the power shift? Why does the roles reverse to the fact that right, you're down there, so now you're the tethered, and I'm the real? It doesn't make sense. Why? How can the magic reverse? Just yeah, because one's left. You'd still be you, unless the we're going hypothetically speaking now and deep into it. But unless there's this kind of thing that we don't know about, where if you're willing to leave if 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 you if you're willing to to switch places you have to be willing to switch but to lose a part of yourself and for the other to gain something yeah but it wasn't willing though was it the other one didn't the real life adelaide didn't go willingly yeah i don't know why yeah i don't know i'm <laughs> i'm glad just because i'm clutching at straws here yeah I yeah the, the answer is i don't know <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I've, let's just go through the rough timeline of the film and then we'll come on to some trivia because it is really interesting. So one of the common themes is the hands across America thing, which is from 1986, which I believe is real. Mm-hmm. And they did one side of America to the other holding hands. That's kind of the concept of this. So you got young Adelaide goes to a fun fair with her parents who kind of don't get on. Her dad's a bit lax and mum goes to the toilet. She goes when her dad's playing whack-a-mole. She goes into a hot house of mirrors on the beachfront. And then as she's in the house of mirrors, she walks backwards towards what you think is a mirror, but it's actually her head just facing the other way. So she turns round and she's facing the back of her own head. It finishes, her eyes go really bright, and then it cuts to modern day, so 30-odd years in the future. And then it's adult Adelaide now, <laughs> adult Adelaide, with her husband, Gabe, Zora, and Jason, the two kids, they go to Santa Cruz, where they always go. They argue, do we go to the beach, do we not? She doesn't want to go. They end up going to Santa Cruz, exactly where she was. They meet the Tyler family. 
And then Sun goes missing towards the Hall of Mirrors, comes back, he sees a guy stood there with his arms stood out wide, dripping blood. No one knows what's going on. And then they get back to the house, power goes off, the Seer family, and I'm I'm just raffling through the, the plot. The Seer family on the driveway, they attack um what they call the Wilsons. Yeah. They attack the Wilsons, and then basically each doppelganger of each member of the family tries to kill the other one to, you know, they say, this is our house. You know, there's that moment where they say, it's us, you know, shout out to the film name. (laughs) And the whole film is them trying to prevent their doppelgangers from killing them. Yeah. And then you find out it's more than that because the Tyler family, they have doppelgangers that kill them. And everyone in uh, California, I think it is Santa Cruz, has doppelgangers. And there's a big crime epidemic going around. People are getting stabbed and stuff. And then all of a sudden, everyone who's dressed in red, who are doppelgangers, are holding arms across America for some reason. And then basically they track down the main doppelganger called Red, which is Adelaide, but it's actually the real Adelaide. And there's all these bunny rabbits for some reason. And um, Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get the bunny rabbit thing. Well, apparently that's one of Jordan Peele's trademarks. Were there some bunny rabbits in Get Out? Yes, actually, there are. Yeah, apparently that's a trademark for some reason. Okay. Not sure. Not how you can have a trademark after two films, but apparently that's a trademark of his. And then, yeah, she kills Red. And then the twist at the end is that Adelaide was actually the shadow person. So when she turns around and sees herself, the tethered version chokes the real Adelaide, drags her down to the tunnels or whatever, and then she leaves with a dead evil grin. And then it, that's the film ends there. And you're thinking, okay. A lot yeah. of unanswered questions. Mainly, why are they just holding hands across America? Like, why? I don't get it. Yeah. They're not doing it for a cause. No. Well, uh, what, was the, um, what was the original hands across America for? It was something to do. I'll just bring it up quickly while I'm talking. But it was something to do with, the, um, I think it was ending homelessness or something. Yeah, John. it was John Lennon, right? Wasn't it John Lennon and um, Yoko Ono who started it? Yeah, so it says here, it was, it was a fundraising event, 25th of May, 1986. Approximately five to six and a half million people held hands for 15 minutes in an attempt to form a continuous human chain across the contiguous United States. Oh, well, it definitely wasn't John Lennon then because John Lennon died in the 70s. Yeah, he did um, He did a sleeping, didn't he, for a week? That was that was right. That was right, yeah. Yeah. My references so this, are all fucked up, guys. Yeah, so this was... Many participants donated $10 to reserve their place and the proceeds were donated to local charities to fight hunger and homelessness and those in poverty. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. That makes that makes perfect sense. But why the tether to doing it? Is it their way of taking back? Because they're not really. Again, you just leave them standing there. I liked how. So the guy that was holding the Jeremiah eleven eleven sign was the first to be killed by the doppelgangers, and he's the one that Jason saw stood there with the blood yeah. dripping down and then the chain joined onto him. I quite like that. I thought that was quite clever. Now that actual Bible verse, Jeremiah eleven eleven. a lot of elements in this film are about 
twins. So you've got 11, 11, obviously mirroring each other. Mm-hmm. Tyler's kids are twins. Twins are a, a staple in the horror genre. A lot of things uh, revolve around twins. But the Bible verse says, if my Bible quotage is wrong, then sorry. <laughs> it says, therefore, thus saith the Lord, saith, I guess that means, saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Don't know what that means. Move on. Move on. Yeah. So just a bit of trivia here, because I think this is what's going to possibly change your mind. So apparently the words get out can be seen carved into the side of the entrance of the Hall of Mirrors. I didn't notice that. That's like a little a little Easter egg there. Mm-hmm. It said um, when they were filming it on the boardwalk in Santa Cruz, the rides were all filled with dummies and the rest of the moving people were filled in using CGI. There was so much trivia, I've just picked out a handful, which I thought were interesting. So the presence of the rabbits, it says here, the presence of the white rabbits, the Hall of Mirrors, and the red jumpsuits, which was worn by the tethered, are references to Alice in Wonderland. So the Hall of Mirrors, in particular, represents through the looking glass, which was, if you've ever read, I think it's Lewis Carroll that, that did Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the second part of the book was called Through the Looking Glass. Yeah. And the red suits represent the Red Queen, which is the villain in that story. There's a lot of stuff, because he must be a really big horror fan. Jordan Peele, because apparently he made the cast read, um, watch, sorry, a lot of horror films before, so they had something in common to talk about. Yeah. So he made them watch like The Sixth Sense, The Shining, um, all these kind of films. The fact that the son is called Jason, as in Jason Voorhees, that's mm-hmm. another horror reference. The twins in The Shining were two girls. The Tylers had two girls. When you look down the landing, when they get killed, they're positioned in a similar style to the girls in the hallway of The Shining. Yeah. There's loads of, loads of Shining references in this. He must be a big fan of that. And then, who, yeah. Who from, isn't? Great film. I love it. And Kubrick again, one Come of them on, strange, strange directors. Now it says, this is interesting, because I thought this was an original idea, but naive me. It says, this is actually a remake of a classic 1967 Lost in Space episode called The Phantom Family. And the Robinsons, which is, I guess, the family in that episode, never seen Lost in Space, being terrorized by a group of doppelgangers that are trying to kill them off and take their place. So he's got a lot of historical sources and references that is used in the horror genre. He's clearly a big fan. Mm. Apparently, John Peel voiced the Funhouse narrator. I don't remember there being a narrator in the Funhouse. Nor do I. No. But here's the thing as well. This is what's interesting. So this is about Red and how why she speaks in such a strange voice. It's almost like horse, isn't it? Yeah. So the fact that she's the only tethered who can and does speak English is a clue, apparently, to her true identity. So what you've got to think is her voice the fact that she can speak and none of the other tethered can speak is the first clue. The second clue is that if you could speak as a kid and you were left underground for 30 years with people who can't speak, your ability to speak 
unless you spoke to yourself all the time, would naturally decrease. Yeah. Right? Thirdly, she was choked by the tethered version of herself, so she might have some damage there. Mm. So these are all little things that reveal sort of clues about her dialogue. There's also little things when she's speaking to the Tylers on the beach where she says that she has a hard time talking. Like she struggles to make small talk. Mm. It's because she's had, to, she's had to learn how to speak. And when they're in the psychologist's office, she's not speaking and they're saying, you know, we just want our daughter back. She stopped speaking and stuff. They think it's because she's been through trauma. It's because she's never learned how to speak. Yeah. That's the truth of it. And apparently when she's in the psychologist's office, she organizes all the toys in like the, the hands across America line. Yeah. And and in the middle, she puts like a, a toy white rabbit, which is the last one that she puts in the middle. So that's another, again, a lot of this is subtle. Yeah. And you wouldn't know that unless you were either watched it five times or knew what was going on in Jordan Peele's head. But as much as there's a lot of trivia, there's a lot of goofs, there's a lot of plot holes in this, which we've covered a lot of them already. The main one being, how how did the people in the tunnel survive all that time? <laughs> because all they had to eat was rabbits, right? First of all, how are the rabbits surviving? Because notoriously, they eat lots of rabbits. And rabbits, um, if you don't give a rabbit a lettuce, they'll bite your toes off. That's not... <laughs> yeah. They would have eaten the tethered, wouldn't they? They would have eaten the, they would have eaten the tethered. <laughs> Never mind the other way around. Plus, a rabbit wouldn't be very nutritious to eat well, if it's not eating itself. It's funny you say that. Did you know there is such a thing called rabbit starvation? I did, I did not know that. <laughs> Neither did I. So rabbit starvation is a more common term for protein poisoning or mal de caribou. Again, pronunciation is probably gash. It's a, f- a form of acute malnutrition caused by excess consumption of any lean meat for an example, rabbit, coupled with a lack of other sources of nutrients, usually in combination with other stresses such as severe cold or dry environment. Basically, you can't live off pure protein. Mm. You need nutrients, otherwise you will basically die. And these people aren't invincible. No. They're just shadow people, whatever that means. They would also have got food poison from eating raw rabbit, more likely. Plus, they might have shit that would have been down there from the from the rabbits <laughs> and them. Like infection would have been rife. In, like, yeah, would infection have been some, would have been hot. Oh god! That have all got scurvy because they're not getting vitamin C. Yep. So that they've had rickets for not seeing sunlight. Yep. That have been walking around bow legged. They'd have been. They'd have been fucked. Basically, yeah, they, would, they would. Also, why are they all wearing the same clothes that people above wear? Yeah. Like, because <laughs> if you, in theory, when she had the two kids, because what I mean is, a lot of them when they come out have the red garments on. Yeah. But when you when you see the flashbacks and she's down there as a kid, and they're going on like on their own roller coasters and stuff, they're all in normal clothes. Yeah. So where when you have the child and you have to cut it out yourself, like she said she did, where did you get the clothes? Where did you? How did you know what store? That, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know. 
Yeah. The other thing is as well, that kid, how old would you say she was at the time? Probably seven, maybe? Six yeah. or seven? Yeah. She just walked straight out. Surely <laughs> she, she wouldn't have been the first. And if it were that easy just to walk out, like surely someone else had. Plus that elevator in the halls were pretty well maintained. And yeah. I don't think there are any maintenance people down there. <laughs> unless, unless like, unless they, they taught the rat, maybe they coached the rabbits how to like, I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, who that was knows? An interesting plot point. I mean, the tunnel's got perfect electric lights. Clearly, there must be some form of heating down there because it would be very cold underground. Oh, God, yeah. And they've all got T-shirts on, so they're all fine. They're all fine. They are living in what can only be described as inhumane conditions, what we would think. Mm. I wouldn't fancy living <laughs> under a tunnel for 30 years. I don't know about you. I mean, sailors from the you know, 17th century would have lived in better conditions than these people. Yeah. If you think about it, because at least they took some form of supplies. They might get scurvy when the oranges run out. Yeah. But at least they could wash. They, they had cognitive thought. They had, they had, they had, like you said, they had the interaction with another human being. They had dialogue. Yeah. yeah they had a purpose. These guys are just wandering around aimlessly. They can't speak. They've still got to go to the toilet and it were clean down there. Do you know what I mean? Like it was clean yeah. down there. Yeah. And I know this is all irrelevant as far as the plot and Jordan Peel might be listening to us right now because he likes the show. And he might be thinking, these guys are total morons. It might be listening to the show, but it'll be our friend we know, Jordan Peel. It won't be the director. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, I got a friend with the same name. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's one of them things where you think, oh, this is such a good idea. But then when you go into the complexities of it, which when you're reviewing a film, you have to. You can't just say, oh, allow it, you know. Yeah, you can't. And it, it annoys me when some people do. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, but it does matter. It does matter. Because it's the it's a key plot point. Like, yeah. it wouldn't progress. Like, did, I might be getting this wrong, but when... When you see the flashback, when she chokes the real life Adelaide and, and drags her down into the tunnel, she does she tie her to the bed? Does she chain her to the bed or something? I might be making that up. I'm sure she ties her or she handcuffs her to to the bed. She doesn't because she looks at her and she like swaps shirts and stuff, and she's like trapped. She must be chained to the bed, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if she is, who's unlocked her? Where, where did the chain also, come from? Just thought about this. This has just occurred to me this second. Adelaide, yeah. right, real, real Adelaide, is a human. Mm-hmm. She would 100% as a kid have died of hunger, lack of water. Where's the running water? How can they drink water? Yeah. She's real. These are all shadow people. So you can kind of, maybe they don't defecate. Maybe they don't need that much food or water. Maybe they don't eat, you know, maybe they're just born and they grow. Let's give that benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Cause we can look at them as that from not a human aspect. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. But Adelaide is a human. 
she's a human. She has human needs. She needs to use the bathroom. She needs to drink water. She needs to eat regular meals. She needs to wash. She needs and er- everything. Yeah. She, basic human needs. How? Just how? These are the things about the twist that most people probably think, oh my God, it, it was her all along. But then like people like us who look into it and you think, but if it was her, how the fuck is she still alive? And may, may I say, looking relatively healthy. <laughs> oh, I yeah. you know, fighting fit. She was fighting. fighting she was fit. fighting fit. She, you know, she she didn't look malnourished or anything. <laughs> She's been working out down there. Yeah. Gabe. Gabe was a big boy. Gabe his, was a big boy. <laughs> his, doppelganger, his doppelganger was a big boy. The other thing I just thought of as well when she bumps into her doppelganger in the Hall of Mirrors. She's wearing the same Michael Jackson thriller yeah. top, right? Because you see her walking through the tunnels and they're wearing the same thing. Yeah. But then when she takes her down to the tunnel, you see her putting on the thriller top as if she's stolen it from um, from Adelaide because she's just left with the Hands Across America shirt. And it's like, right, I've got your sh-. And it's as if to say, right, I'm going to be you now. But love, you're already wearing the same shirt. Like, we're doppelgangers. Yeah. Can, you know what I mean? Can, can, can I just share that to a love? What are you doing? So, Flower, we've got the same shirt on. What, why are you doing this? But again, that's one of them things where you have to show to the audience that this is bad Adelaide, but she's going to take over from new Adelaide. But they had the same shirt on. Yeah. And because maybe the t- in, in retrospect, maybe the T-shirt represents the the transformation or the ownership. Yeah. This, that's like a manifestation. Yeah. Of, right. That's you. You are me now. But it's like you said though, but the, but you're, we- you, but you're already wearing the same shirt. Yeah. It's like, the same. if it, it, that, that could have been really powerful. If, uh, what you call, what's, uh, <laughs> what's the name of, um, red, Tethered Adelaide. Tethered Adelaide, right? Tethered, tethered, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Tethered Adelaide was not wearing the Michael Jackson T-shirt, right? I said she wasn't wearing it, and there was this moment. But then she produces out of nowhere this Michael Jackson T-shirt to say, look, I've got one, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it on. And I'm going to rip yours off. Or maybe yeah. she take, physically takes it off her. Well, I think that's what she did. I think she took the Thriller shirt off real Adelaide and then put it on herself. But in order to do that, she must have taken off her own th- thriller t-shirt. No, that's what I mean though, but she shouldn't have like, if she didn't have the thriller t-shirt in the first place. Yeah. I get, yeah. I know you know what I mean? It would, that would have been powerful. Yeah. But, but visually, visually that wouldn't have worked in the hall of mirrors because she, when she's back, the idea is she backs up to the hall of mirrors yeah. and you think it's the back of her head. Personally, I knew it wasn't because it just wasn't shot efficiently enough to i think, think yeah it was yeah I, yeah i know she, what you're saying she, yeah. she was she was almost stood there as she was backing up and she didn't move if she'd have backed up at the same time so you think it's a mirror then when she turns around it's it's the big reveal but you could tell it was a second person anyway yeah if she was wearing a different shirt it wouldn't have had the same effect you'd have known it wasn't a mirror yeah true. Yeah, true. That, that's that's the only downside to that but interesting as well about the whole t-shirt because she picks obviously a Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt, which I think was what, 1983, I think, that came out? Yeah. So Michael Jackson Thriller, in the video, 
There's a lot of similar 1982. It came out that album, so there's a lot of similarities with the video of Thriller to this film because at the start he's on a date with a girl, yep. and they come across the monsters, and then she turns around and he's got it's the green zombie. eyes or whatever. He, yeah. he is he one of them? And then at the end, you think it's all changed, and then there's a twist at the end. Like it's again, he, like, he smiles, he t- doesn't he? Yeah, does yeah. he turn to the camera or something? Yeah, and you're thinking, is exactly. he real? Is he not? Is he not? Is he not? That kind of concept, yeah, is within the film as well. Oh no, they're, they're watching a film at the cinema. Yeah, they're in the cinema, and because like because she's getting scared, and then like he's obviously goes out there. And he's like, oh, it's only a movie. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously, Mike MJ did what MJ did best and bust out those moves. Bust a groove, mate. Bust, bust a, groove. a groove. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of ties in with Thriller. But yeah. do you think our Jordan Peeler, the Peelster? <laughs> do you think if he would you like to see him take a similar concept like this again, but execute it in a different way? I know you, I know you can't copy a film you've already made because what's the point? But what I mean is, do you think he could take something similar to this and learn from this? I mean, we say learn from this. Maybe he's made it and he thinks this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. Well, the critics do. Yeah, if I but if I read the disparity between the critics and the user reviews, you can tell. I think Jordan Peele's well liked in Hollywood. I don't know what his political views are. Maybe he's very left wing. So I know they like left wing over there. Yeah, in Hollywood. Maybe you know. And there's a lot of films that have disparities such as this, where it fits Hollywood's agenda, but the yeah. audience to think it's a shit movie. Obviously, it's got a very pro-ethnic minority cast, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. It works really well, and it's got name recognition in there. It's a really, it's well executed. It's, I think, it's well casted and it's well acted. Yeah, and it's got, it's got some good concepts. I just think a lot of it was possibly not thought out as well as it could have been. And if it had have been, it would have been executed a little bit better because Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have this at 93%, right? Really? Which is very high. Very it? high. Very, very high. But the audience has it at 59, which is more in time with what we said. Yeah, but that's, that, and that's a lot, yeah, it's a lot more realistic. Yeah. And that's, that's 34% different. Yeah. We're not talking, that's not, that's not fine margins there. No, it's not. And then Metacritic, they gave it 81 out of 100, the critics. And the users gave it 6.4 out of 10. So again. See, the thing with this movie as well, Bluesy, right? Is like, I get it. I get why people are so in awe with it. I get why it, it's popular. It's stylistic. Mm-hmm. It's unique in the in the sense of um, he Jordan Peele is telling a story in a certain way that I personally don't think as I mean I know you were you made reference before to the um the episode what was that what he got the um uh, lost, lost in space I lost think. in space so yeah. okay you know it's a tip of the hat to that almost but in terms of modern cinema I don't think I've ever seen a film that tells a story like this mm. I think part part of its downfall was that 
the key, I suppose the key plot twist is the fact that she's actually a tethered all along. But the key premise of the film is that there's a family of doppelgangers after us. Almost went against it because when he says there's a family outside, you know it's them already. Yeah, yeah, you do. Which is a bit of a shame. Because you wouldn't, you, that's an, actually, you know, you've just said that, Stuart, and I've just thought now, if you, if you were, if you were on holiday with your family and you were, you know, and there were people on your driveway, would you say there's a family outside or would you say there's someone or there's some other somebody outside? You wouldn't say there's a family outside. I'd probably say there's some people outside. Yeah, but... right, exactly. So uh, you've just you've actually just said that, and that's just made me think as well. Like maybe sometimes is the is the dialogue a little bit too obvious? Because mm. if they... I think some, it's hard to, I, I'm not a writer, of course, but I, I imagine it's hard to make. I say I'm not a writer. I write my own podcast, but yeah. it's hard to convert speech into the written format. So like like when I've done voiceover work before, sometimes I'll get given a script mm. and the client will say, here's the script, but don't have to stick to it. Just say it in how you would speak it because speech doesn't translate to the written word. The two completely different mediums. Yeah. So you might look outside and say, there's someone on his lawn, someone in garden, mm. but you wouldn't put, there's someone in garden in the written word, which is what a script for a film is. Yeah. So the frustrating thing is you've got to take the idea of what you'd like to say, put it down on paper, which changes how it's written. And then it gets put back to the actor who speaks it. So in that from mind to paper to mouth, it gets lost in translation. Wouldn't it have been fantastic if the line was, um, Hey, there's a fat guy on the drive. Why? I'm just joking. I'm just. <laughs> I just no. <laughs> there's a fat guy on the drive. There's a fat guy on the driveway. <laughs> but it almost reminded me of Lost World, Jurassic Park, where the kid goes, "There's a dinosaur in her backyard." Yeah, yeah. Like just so chill for these children. Like, these yeah. children have no fear. Like if I if I looked outside, right? Because they were quite scary. Where they're all in silhouette. They're all all in silhouette. And the fact that apparently when they're, they're lined up, the way they are lined up mimics the sticker on the back of their car. You know, the family sticker holding hands. Yeah, well, that's the, interesting. They, yeah, they're in this. Again, these are the little things that you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So they were lined up in the same position. And <laughs> if I was a kid of Jason's age, which again is probably what, eight? Yeah. To look outside and see a family of four <laughs> stood there in silhouette in the garden and just go, there's a family in this garden. I'd be like, oh, there's someone out there. Yeah. <laughs> You'd brick it, wouldn't you? I mean, Gabe was bricking it and he's a full grown adult. So why is his kid just like, there's a family in the driveway? You'd be like, I'd be like excuse me. <laughs> what? <laughs> there's a what? <laughs> a family? Yeah, yeah. A family in the drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, and then it, you look outside, you're like, Jesus Christ, a family in his drive. Oh, mate. It, I think I'm really intrigued to watch this film again. Now, mm. um, I think now that you know she is a tethered, yeah. I feel like a lot 
of what goes on will make more sense because her relationship with Gabe seemed, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it seemed weird. I got the feeling from it that it was very much, you could tell it was put on. Right. It was a... What, you made a false sort of happy Yeah, a false happiness. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if that was just me, but I I feel like you can sense that. There was something. Yeah. There was something. Something not a bit off, wasn't it, wasn't there? Maybe that's because she can't form bonds as well as me, a, a real, yeah, can you know, convey real truth. Because don't forget as well, she can only replicate what she has seen from real people. She maybe doesn't know that the tethered Adelaide can't feel real emotion. Yeah. So she's... Because the other thing about, if we call it magic, the whole you feel it, I feel it ten times worse... And it again goes back to why did the power shift from the real Adelaide to the non-Adelaide? Because surely if baby Adelaide or young Adelaide is walking around and the shadow, the tethered, is walking around aimlessly because that's what the other person's doing, why wouldn't when real Adelaide wakes up downstairs just like control shadow Adelaide that's what I don't get. That's a key part of the film that I don't understand. Yeah. And if it's a plot point that I'm missing and that's obvious and I'm an idiot, please let me know. But for me, the power, magic, voodoo, whatever we're calling it, there's no reason for that to switch just because one person is physically now in the tunnel and the other person is physically in the quote unquote real world. It doesn't mean that the tethered now has the ability to where she has kids and the real life Adelaide has that experience 10 times worse. That doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. I like the the twists about a voice is ruined because she's not spoken for decades. Yeah. She's lost the ability to communicate and possibly she's got broken vocal cords or something from the strangulation. I like that. But, and that is clever. But why is the power shifted? It's a big, big plot hole for me. For me That's too. why I, hate, I hated the twist. I hated the twist at the end. I hated it. Makes no sense. I currently, in my standpoint, am not a fan of the movie. Hmm. Unfortunately. Do you, th- do you think people just saw Get Out? And obviously Jordan Peele's an up-and-coming director. He's got talent, bags of it. Yeah. Do you think part of it is... Almost uh, not a nostalgic because he's not been around for long, but almost a a hopeful. Let's keep pumping him up so he keeps making films, keep him sweet. Yeah. And again, I think I could be. I've been watching a, a lot of sort of political stuff from America online. That's why I'm saying this. But I know how how left wing Hollywood is now. Yeah. Oh God. And how you won't even be considered for an award if you don't agree with their view and stuff like they will rate a a good film that the audience rates high as garbage if it doesn't fit their agenda or if they think it promotes the other side kind of thing. Now I'm not political at all. It makes no difference to me, but I know that's what it's like in Hollywood based on recent research. So it just has me wondering as to what his 
what's the word? Al- yeah, no, he's, he, he's polit- alliances are yeah, where his alliances polit- are. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, and, 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 it'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, it would, and as well, I think. Yeah, I, I think because Get Out was such a, a hit, and it was so breathtaking. Maybe the question as well is, what was he really expected to do with his next film? Was he expected to top it? Was he expected to... Yeah. You know, where... Because sometimes you can set the bar so high, it can be difficult to to replicate that. Yeah, it's kind of knocked his first film out of the park. It's almost like Us should have been his first film and Get Out should have been the second. Yeah. I'm just reading a bit here, and I think there's probably a lot of political undertones of this film like the whole everybody love everybody and liberal you know come together as a unit and all that kind of stuff come together <laughs> right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i for me it wasn't a smash hit it wasn't even a hit personally I didn't find it very scary. I didn't find it. It was very stylish and unique, and I've never really seen anything like it. Yeah. Because I've not seen that Lost in Space episode. But I just think, I don't understand why it's got so much hype off people, personally. It's just my opinion. It's a good film. I'd watch it again, definitely, knowing what I know. And I think maybe it would improve with more than one watch. But another example is I watched... um, it's another film we should watch. The new Wrong Turn film, which came out in January. So this is a hey, reboot. Of, the, uh, really? This is a reboot, but it's, it's really good, mate. It's really good. Right. Compl- it's a completely different story. It's not about sort of hillbillies and... Inbred hillbillies. Incestuous inbred hillbillies. It's not about that. It's a completely different story. It's it's really good, mate. You should watch Re- it. I really, Yeah. It came out in January. I watched that the other day and I instantly liked that film because it's it's different, but it made sense. It had a lot of things which I like about films. It was well acted. This was well acted, but like you say, a lot of it seemed to be style over substance for me, which is a shame. And it, it's not put me off Jordan Peele. I still love his work. He's hilarious. He's talented. Get Out was great. And I hope that whatever his next film is, will be up there. But I think you have that where people see is the new kid on the block. His first fi- film was a success. If he comes in and the critics are like, hang on, that was shit. Mm. He's going to think, well, why am I bothering? Yeah. You know what I mean, but they want to keep him making more films because he's got so much talent. Um, do you know what as well that maybe we've misread it completely and maybe he just doesn't care what people think. Maybe he's one of these directors like maybe. where he's like, you know what? I'll make what I think is interesting. I'm going to make this this uh, film. If you don't get it, that's on you. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. my job to spoon feed you what it's about. True. And it's definitely not spoon fed. Absolutely the, not. No, yeah. The amount I've read up on it shows how complex and how much thought's gone into it. But it is almost, and I suppose it's a good thing. He's almost made the movie for himself because he's got all these horror film references are in there, which unless you're a big horror fan, you won't know like Hitchcock references, The Shining, Friday the, uh, Friday the 13th references, all this kind of stuff. Because you've, heard it, be, you've heard it before, Stuart, where pe- like, 
an actor or a director will say, oh, this is the dream project. And like you said, and like you just said then, and I think I agree with you, maybe for Jordan Peele, it was just, this is the movie. If he could have made a movie, this would have been it. So maybe for yeah. him, it's a case of, this is what I wanted to make. This was a dream project of mine. I've made it. If you don't like it, okay. But I, I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, they always say, don't they, leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's just gone all out, you know. But I just, I'm optimistic for Jordan Peele. I think he's just going to grow. I think he's going to get better and better. Yeah. He's proven again, he can do it with Get Out. He's proven yeah. it. Let's remind ourselves that this is only his second film. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? it's not It's, it's, it's not just bad, sh- is it? In a way, it's a shame that his first film was, was so out. bloody good. <laughs> because it's like... Where can you go from there? Yeah. Downhill. You can only go downhill. You can't do a, a smash. And it's not the best film ever made, Get Out, by any no. means. But if you start on a hill, on the top of a hill, on a peak. Where do you go? You can only go one way, can't you? Yeah. You can't go really. up again. You either carry on on the hill, which is very hard to do. Yeah. It's like his magnum opus is his first film. Well, you know, for example, you, you've got Martin Scorsese. You've got Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, just because of how kind of, you know, Quentin Tarantino that have been directors that have got to the top of the hill and have stayed on the hill. Mm -hmm. Not many directors can do it because like you say, it's so tough. So does that make Jordan Peele a bad director? Not at all. Not even in the slightest. It's just... Maybe, maybe get out with his Goodfellas, with his Psycho. Do you think as well, though, because there's only two years between the release of these two films? Yeah. Now, with someone like Tarantino, normally there's a fairly big gap. That's, yeah, that's very true, yeah. Now, whether that's because he wants to get the finite details involved, but again, a lot of those directors you mentioned are old i guess the movies came out many years ago in this day and age people don't want to make, wait more than two years for a film it's like your annual video games like fifa yeah they keep bringing them out because it's expected but the production quality is never there they're no. never a complete game but if you took a year off to get the game right people would be like where's my game where's my game where's my film yeah let me clarify by the way i was in no way putting Jordan Peele down when no, and comparing no, him to no one. I was no, no, using no, as an excuse as a, an yeah. example of these people that have been to the top of the mountain and have managed yeah. to, you know, mm-hmm. but again, for all we know, and I, I hope and pray it happens because I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele's. I hope his next film is better than get out. And he, he proves, proves us wrong. Yeah. I think I'm convinced whatever it's going to be about, it'll be better than us. I don't think one thing as well, you know, you're going to get with Jordan Peele is that it's going to be thought provoking in some way or another. And it's going to be stylistic. Yeah. And that it's going to be deep and there's going to be lots of stuff that, uh, you know, whether it's double entendres or whether it's hidden meaning, double meaning, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, the amount of stuff I found out after the fact, I just wish I'd have known that for the first viewing, but then I guess maybe he makes films for people who like film and that he knows will look into it. And then when they've looked into it, they'll watch it again. Then you'll pick up 
the little nuances. Maybe that's what it is. Well, look know. at us today, tonight, even talking. I, I, when I watch this film again now, because I will, there's no doubt about it, I will watch this film again. I will look at this film differently now, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe I will... I think the problem for me is when I, because I was so impressed by Get Out, maybe I went into this film unfairly prejudging it. Yeah. Which I, th- I think I think that's pretty common with regards to hyped up films. Maybe I thought it was just going to be this masterpiece, you know? Yeah. Mm. Maybe yeah. I thought. I think I thought the same. Yeah, maybe I thought, God, this this is the guy that made Get Out. This is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And it. Yeah. Oh well. But his his next project is in 2022. It's untitled. It's set for a July release in 2022. Is there so. any um, actors tied to it yet? Because sometimes uh, they do that. Some. Uh, let's have a look. Kiki Palmer. I know the name. Don't know. I, I couldn't put a face. I, I was, I felt, it's quite a unit. You're not going to forget that name, are you? If you've no. I'm, I'm sure. She's, what's she from? I'm not sure. Kiki Palmer. I don't know. Oh, I couldn't well. tell you. I, d- I just want to ask you before we give our finalised reviews on this yes, film. Yes, sir. You know, you said that IMDb, you can only do round numbers. Yeah. So you gave it a four. Yeah. But <laughs> then you said if you didn't have to do round numbers, you'd have given it a 4.8. So why didn't you just round it up to five? <laughs> why have you rounded down to four? So that hard. really doesn't make sense at all, does it? <laughs> if it's over point five, if it's over point four, you go up. Yeah, over if it's five f- or above. Five yeah, or above, five. you go up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 pretty. You're point two off five. But I've decided to go four, down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Good point. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. It just shows how reliable your ratings are, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you gave it a 4.8. I gave it a 6.1. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. After we've had this chat, what would you give it now? So we've been discussing this for roughly an hour, just slightly longer. Gone into the intricacies of it. We've slated it in parts. We've praised it in parts. We both like Jordan Peele and his work. We think he's got a lot of potential. And we're hopeful for his next feature and his career that's just going to take off again. Yep. What would you give this film now, knowing what you know after this chat? I will give this a 5.7. Okay, so it's gone up 0.9. It's a decent increase. And the only reason why I do that so far, and I've not given it more, is because I feel like I really need to watch it again now. Yeah, you can't you can't give it that big of an increase no. without watching it again. So I don't think I think five point seven, where I'm currently, my stance now is fair, comparable to where I was. So I'd say so. Five point seven. Yeah. What about okay. yourself, Stuart Blues? So, so you I were would... at six point one, right? Six point one. Yeah. Again, I can't go that high because i've not watched it for a second time plus i've still got eden lake in my head which i gave 6.8 and i still think if someone said to me right you have to watch a film this evening you either watch us or you watch eden lake i'd probably choose eden lake to be honest and 
Therefore, I can't go higher than 6.8, so I'm going to go 6.7. Okay. That's... That's my logic. And it's a very it's a very fair logic. I, I, I wouldn't even dispute that. I think that's perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I think um, before we wrap, <laughs> going back to my um, judgment of uh, point scoring systems, <laughs> my decimal... You you know, like it, my decimal <laughs> um, I, I've come. I've come to realise that. Yeah, maybe in the beginning I should have just said five, not four. Um, I don't know why. I've really just thought, like, why did I go? Why did I go to four? It's like, well, if I'd have had my way, I'd have given it, you know, five point seven. But I can only do a round number, so I just give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense, but absolutely no. Yeah. Four point eight. Oh, should give it a five? What? No, don't be mental. Give it a four. Give it a a three point (laughs) eight. Didn't get to. Didn't get a full five, did it? Got a full four. So therefore, come on, mate, being daft. So you give it a what? A five point seven. Five point seven is where I currently stand. Yeah. Five point seven. On our next three-second watch. Yeah. On our next episode, when we decide what we're going to do, should we just at the start of that? Should we just maybe? give our final reviews of mm-hmm. us. Let's do it. Let's do it, mate. I would love if you watched Wrong Turn to do that next episode. I would love that. Okay. It's not on Netflix or anything. It's on Amazon Prime, but you'd have to buy it. Yeah. Um, but I'm I sure lo- you'll find, I, you'll to find be fair, a way I, to watch it. I don't mind investing in film. Anyway. It's a big passion of mine, isn't it? And I am an actor, yeah. so I never mind inv- if it's worth it. And I take your yeah. word for it. It's only like six quid. You'll uh, you'll find a way. Absolutely. But yeah, Wrong Turn from January 2021. A reboot of the Wrong Turn franchise. Nothing to do with the old films. To be honest, mate, I'll tell you this now. Don't go into it thinking it's a Wrong Turn film. Okay. The, in my opinion, they've literally used the name Wrong Turn for marketing. But the premise and everything else is absolutely nothing like... It's in the woods... So literally about yeah, and the you know there's people in the woods. That's about where the similarities go. For me, the fact that it's called Wrong Turn is purely just for name recognition and brand recognition. Okay, but really good film. So we'll do that one next time. So for now, this has been Stuart Blues and Brett Curtis. I think we go quite deep in these films, mate. Like I hope we we go deeper than some other ones. And that if anyone does listen to this, they think, do you know what? Those guys actually do know what they're on about a little bit. Oh, yeah. I I mean, dare I say, surely it's, you know, people must take something away from this. Not to be arrogant, but I I think that we offer a pretty, we come from a a somewhat knowledgeable standpoint, Hmm. you know, both connoisseurs of film, I would like to think so. Mm -hmm. Still... To this day, if anyone actually can help, when I was in uh, when I was in high school, I watched a film that my teacher put on. And in this film, it's a black and white film. There's a gentleman. It's it's it's, it's killing me to this day because <laughs> I, for the life of me, do not know the name of this film. It's a black and white film. There is a gentleman in this film who does a rather would you call it a dance? I think it's just like, I don't know. 
It's one of these guys with a big tash. He's got a huge tash. Mustache, and he's he's twiddling the tash between... Imagine you're playing um, the world's smallest violin. Yeah. With your thumb and your forefinger, that motion. But he's doing that on the edge of his tash. And he's sort of giving like a, a bit of... He's doing like a quite strange movement with his leg. So like, I've not seen it, by the way. I'm just taking this off. Because we went to Ibiza in 2014, Brett and I. Yeah. Um, and every time you'd look round the club, Brett would be stood there doing this motion, just staring at you for no reason. Hilarious. Yeah, I'm very serious, by the way. If anybody does listen to this and they, they can pinpoint what I'm talking about, I know that's pretty... It's quite specific what I'm talking about. Though. You can't... If you've seen that, you'll know you've seen it. Yeah, if anyone knows what you're talking about, I mean, I'll be ridiculously surprised. What have they got to go on? A black and white film with a gentleman <laughs> playing with his moustache. Oh, yeah, that's um, so-and-so. I mean, someone out there will know exactly what you mean because I've found out that not... What am I trying to say? How am I trying to word it? There's more than one person who thinks what you think. The reason I know that, this is just ridiculous tangent, but it relates to film. In the film Scary Movie, mm-hmm. the first one, yeah. right? One of the Wayans brothers, I can't remember if it's Sean or Marlon. It might be Sean, I'm not sure. The guy who plays Ray. That's... Uh, Is that Marlon? No, Marlon's the smaller one. Marlon's the smaller one. Let me just have a quick googs. Marlon Marlon's Wayans. only plays Shorty. Marlon plays... Right, okay, so it's Sean. So Sean Wayans. Yeah. Plays Ray. Uncle Ray Ray. Right. Yeah. You know, he's a straight character who has gay tendencies, but he's not gay, so he says. So he says. And when they do the bit where they knock over the fisherman, the bit from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. (laughs) And one of them says um, they're going to throw him in the river or something. Yeah. One of them goes, um, I'll grab his hands, I'll grab his body. And he goes, I'll grab his ass. Yeah. (laughs) Right? That's all he says is, I'll grab his ass, right? Now, at work, me and the boys used to just say to each other, I'll grab his ass. I even downloaded the clip of that on YouTube. And I've got on one of my YouTube channels a two second clip. And it just, it's called, I'll grab his ass. Yeah. And the description says, Uncle Ray Ray grabs a man's ass. No hashtags, nothing. That's got like three and a half thousand views. (laughs) So that means that people have searched for I'll grab his ass just just to find that clip from Scary Movie because they've probably say that to their mates. Yeah. And it's been searched loads of times. My point being to the original point is that you're never the only person to know something or think a certain way. Yeah. So if someone out there will know exactly the film you're talking about I'm telling you but they just probably won't listen to this podcast I'd love to find it I'd love to know what it is. you can't just put French black and white film moustache no you can't I mean you could <laughs> I don't know what it is I'll tell you what I'm going to do Stuart <clears throat> this is my obligation to you I will do all I can from now until our next recording to find this film must I'm just gonna quick google it's def it's not a Charlie it can't be a Charlie Chaplin film his Tash wasn't his Tash wasn't that wide no no it might not have been Charlie it might not necessarily have been Charlie Chaplin oh hang on was it a Charlie Chaplin film 
Is it a Commodore? I can't remember. <laughs> I just remember this geezer. And it was just, I was obsessed with it for ages. And I just remember sort of the whole... There in the background, like... <laughs> so strange that's what makes it worse as well because the guy wasn't even a vocal he was in the background yeah I think he got no chance mate there's nothing coming up here uh, I mean Screw again it. if anyone out there knows what Brett is on about get some therapy because you shouldn't yeah, you shouldn't yeah that's absolutely bizarre but yeah I think that about wraps up this episode on us from 2019 and next time we will hopefully discuss wrong turn from 2021 2021 so from now that is it from me and we will see you next time <laughs>